You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. We are continuing to cruise here at Bride Ministries International, www.brideministriesinternational.com. And you are listening to Discovering Truth. I'm Dan Duvall. Look, uh, we are moving more and more into this whole international seat. And right now on our website, brideministriesinternational.com, what you will see is that we are adding prayers in Spanish. All of our prayer resources that we have made are in the process of being translated into Spanish so that all of you that have Spanish-speaking relatives, friends, and folks that you wish you could share our prayer resources with but may have difficulty sharing because the English language barrier, uh, we are now making that resource available for you. In the future, we will be translating our prayers into other languages as well. And uh, as we find folks that are able to translate our prayer resources into other languages, we'll just simply be adding pages to our website to make these free resources available in a broader and broader context. Also, uh, we are uh, moving on our Bride Ministries Institute, which is where we have a lot of our training in order to expand that platform into the international market. In other words, uh, we are going to begin translation efforts on the entire institute. Now, that that is just at the very beginning, so you're not going to see any of the fruit of that for a little while, but understand that we are working to broaden our horizons because we realize, Bride Ministries, that we are sitting on some things, some revelation, and some keys that Frankly, I don't. I do not believe God wants limited to the English-speaking world, and so uh, I, I want to thank all of you that continue to support us financially because you're empowering us to move in these areas. And as God brings more and more things to our our, our table and and to the uh, sphere of influence that we have, uh, we are looking to be prepared. And so, um, but you know, I I, I am really really excited about the book prayers that shake heaven and earth we have seen that book man has it touched so many lives and and we have seen so many testimonies come in soon enough uh, we are going to be releasing a prayers that shake heaven and earth volume two and for those of you that thought volume one was powerful (laughs) you have not seen anything yet so uh you know hopefully later this year we will be able to get that product out uh, including many prayers that have never even been posted to our website. So so pray for us. We have an amazing program today. Um, and so as we get to that, I just want to, again, encourage all of you. You know, we are building kingdom here at Bride Ministries. And those of you that are sowing into us, you are connecting into something very special. The Bible says, uh, Give, and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Will God cause men to give into your bosom? And on that point, I just want to say that, uh, and remind you guys, this year, you know, God has told me, and I keep saying this, is a year for end 
of delay. And 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 since I've been saying this, and, and since we have been really believing for this, Bride Ministries and, and even sewing into this, uh, we have gotten so many reports since January of people saying, look, I didn't have a job for two years, got a job. Look, couldn't sell the house for several years, sold the house. Look, things were not moving. Now they're moving. And, and we're only in March. And so uh, I, I just want to encourage those of you that have been in delay for a long time. This is a season of transition. And um, uh, <laughs> we are believing with you. With that said, we're going to get right to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, you're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and we are back for another week of the podcast. And I have a new guest for you. You have not heard from this gentleman before. His name is Alex, and he is a survivor. And his story is very unique and extraordinary. And uh, I, I, I had the opportunity to meet him for the first time when he came to our Bride Tribe retreat last year. And uh, he was connected to me by a mutual friend of ours. And it was a real pleasure to meet him. And afterwards, getting to know him, <laughs> had the pleasure of getting to know his story. And my, my, my. After I heard his story the first time, I'm like, yep, <laughs> we'll be booking him soon. So, so I have sat down with Alex to do some work. And that may come out in the telling of his story. But May, my goodness, I, I just want to introduce you to Alex. Alex, welcome to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Thank you, Dan. It's very good to be here, man. I really appreciate it. Well, it, it's really good to have you, you know, and your story is very, very unique because you have a lot of elements of your story that touch on things we have been talking about on this podcast for a while, from, from targeting to seeing into the spirit world fragmentation but I, I i mean it even goes into things that resemble what i would call super soldier programming truly mm -hmm. and yet your background is a bit mm, non-traditional when i look at some of the other folks that i have worked with and connected with so i love the uniqueness and the angle of, of, of the story for, from a, a practitioner's perspective, like understanding all of the aspects of this conversation that we're having on getting people set free and, and, and into a place of healing in the name of Jesus. But my friend, uh, your story has a, a, a intense beginning. And I want to let you walk us into your testimony, starting in your childhood and some of the things that you learned led to early fragmentation. Thank you, Dan. Okay. So I still don't have a lot of memories of, of my childhood on, and, and uh, I'm still barely getting some, you know, and even with the work that we're doing uh, together uh, and Holy spirit has been speaking to me uh, this year a lot. And, and, and I believe like, the end of last year as well. Uh, but everything started, um, 
when I was a little boy, it was really hard for me to concentrate and to pay attention to school. Um, I used to hear a lot of voices always calling my name and asking me things, and I did not know what to do with them. So it became uh, something uh, very traumatic for me at nighttime because I remember going to bed and um, I could not sleep with the light off. And it became a problem with my dad because he did not believe really anything that I was saying. Uh, my mom, on the other hand, she was a Christian um, and uh, she tried her best for, for me to get better but she did not have the answers as well. So I remember growing up and um, nighttime, it was horrible. All these voices calling my name and uh, telling me all these things. And my mom, it got to a point that she brought like, man, I remember seeing like 10 pastors with deacons and stuff like that all around me in my room with the oil, anointing my house, my room, my bed, my eyes, my ears. And there was nothing going on. I mean, like, the voices still were there. Everything was still tormenting at nighttime. It was very hard for me still to even function. So um, I received information by the Holy Spirit last year saying that part of my fragmentation happened uh, during uh, my sleep, while I was sleeping. And I remember this dream just going, like, these loops just going and going and going and going night after night after night after night and 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 that's what the holy spirit told me about this and then a part of that too as well helped uh, my fragmentation help is that i was abused by two of my girl cousins when i was a little kid um sexually um and i remember you know like the family getting together the my house it was like the the point of like everybody will all the family used to go there and gather there and 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 like the young cousins and everything would just hang out together and I was like the only boy I think only another cousin he was a little bit older than me and um yeah my my girl cousins were like hey come play with me you know what I mean I I, I was like what maybe five years old and uh they would do okay you know do this to me or whatever and all of that and and I really didn't know that it was wrong what I was doing or what they were getting me engaged to do um, until I started to grow up. And I was like, well, that, that was definitely not normal. But that woke something up in me that very sexual. I started growing up and uh, I just felt, I don't know, this very sexual little kid, you know, looking at girls and, and doing all these things, you know what I mean? And uh, so that was kind of like my start of, of my fragmentation. Um, I do remember um, growing up to listening to conversations, you know, adults, um, mentioning that my great-grandfather used to be a witch hunter. Um, so I met him, but he was usually always in the bed. Like, he was, like, not able to move. They would have to give him, you know, feed him by, in, on, in the mouth and, and just taking care of him like a baby. So the word said, or what they were saying, it was that a curse fell on him. So that's why he was like that. Um, so my mom trying to do everything she could to raise me as a, as, as a, as a Christian kid, um, she got in a lot of conflict with my dad. Because my dad proclaimed, or, or he used to say that he was atheist. So for him, Jesus, it was 
not on the picture whatsoever. So I remember going to church with my mom um, and uh, after church, we used to come home and my daddy was like, man, you're, you're, I'm going to say you're a prostitute. You, you know, you, you, you doing over there things with the brothers and, and da, 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 da. So it was very violent, the situation. I remember always being in between that fight and um, it was very hard because uh all of, most of the time I was taking my mom's side because uh, mm. I, I see all the oppression and, and, and all the affliction that she was uh, going through. And I remember too as well, now that I, I'm older and I know about these things, uh, that my mommy was also uh, DID. Uh, uh, she, was, she, she had parts. And uh, so there was a lot going on right there on that, on that scenario. Um, I remember one time mm, we were coming back home from visiting my grandmother on my dad's side and we, we took this little highway and we were going home and um i was like what maybe i was like in second grade so i was like i don't know six seven and um i was just sitting on the back seat and my mom and dad were having that discussion and it just started to get pretty intense and and my daddy was screaming and my mom was like kind of getting you know what i mean listening to so I just see my dad hitting my mom mm. and it broke her nose oh. and blood started gouging out. And, and it, just, it was just a very violent scene right in front of my eyes. And, and then I heard my dad screaming and saying, Hey, we're just gonna, I'm just gonna kill the whole family. I'm just gonna go and, and wreck in, 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 the, in, in the ditch or something. I'm just gonna go do something and I'm gonna cut my hand. All these things that he was just out of it. And then I, I don't know, man, I, I just, I just, something inside of me like, did something I don't know what it was but I would say probably I don't know but I just hugged him from behind and I I grabbed him really tight I I took off my seatbelt and I just whispered in his ear if you do that you will be a coward because only cowards does not confront their actions I said something along those lines it that was enough for my dad to calm down and said okay, Alex, sit back down. It's okay. I'm going home. The whole ride, it was quiet. Um, also, um, after that, I think um, I, I started to, to kind of wanting a relationship with God, going to church. I still as a little kid, a small kid. And um, I remember going to church this particular time. And I was with my mom, and then they, they did an altar call. So I go to the altar, and then I start. I kneel down, and then uh, I just started to pray, like from my heart. I, I, I don't know. And then I started to feel this power running through my body, and it would just flow, and it felt so good, and it was warm, and it, it was like a chill. It, it was really nice and comforting. And then as soon as I started to feel that, the preacher up, preacher up there said, if you're starting to feel, he described the feeling that I was feeling. He uh -huh. said, if you're starting to feel this and these elements, rebuke that feeling because that is the devil. Uh -huh. So me being that small and hearing that, I got so scared. And I said, in my mind, then I am of the devil. The devil, I don't know, it just came to visit me right here in the church. I took that power out of my life. And I think that that was the last time that I felt it. And I blocked all of that and I didn't want it anymore so that that did a lot of damage 
to me as a young child and even, you know, on, on my life um, after that. Um, so let me uh, jump in here for a second. So you mentioned a lot of things and, 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 and truly, as you're describing your childhood, you know, m- many of you that are listening are, are hearing some common elements. When we talk about anyone that, that will have dissociative identity disorder, there is something that is very um, common. I mean, it, it just runs the course of just about every story is that there's severe trauma by the age of seven and then leading up to that age. And certainly that was there in your life. Wow. I mean, there's sure. some, some intense stuff and you talk about it now, like it's a, uh, you know, no big deal. <laughs> My goodness. I mean, it, it, that is some difficult stuff to walk through. And you mentioned dreams and I, and I just want to take a moment and just highlight that a little bit because there's something there that people really need to understand in the dream realm. There, there are yes, dreams, There are also something that I and the Bible would call night visions. And night visions are actual events that are occurring in the spirit world while the body sleeps, often implicating our soul or parts of it. Most of the night visions that are described in the Bible, whether we're talking about the book of Daniel, where he is dreaming, or other um, situations like Abraham and so forth, where, where you have these guys experiencing night visions, they're actual encounters. Um, yes, you can have encounters with God in your sleep, but you can have encounters with all kinds of things in the demonic realm, including human astral projecting spirits, entities, so on and so forth. And when there are back doors for, for children, uh, these guys come after children and pull either their soul or parts of their soul out of the body while the body sleeps and torments them at night and even does programming. And we've run into this. And so as Alex is explaining this, you're actually hearing what is happening to some of the children of those that you know. Uh, I meet people and they cannot figure out what is happening to their children and where they're getting all of this baggage from but it's like every day, you know, they're waking up and, and it's a, they, they, they had all kinds of problems in their sleep. And then and the behavior is just tanking and all this stuff. And they're like, what's going on? And, and basic prayers, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. Like th- these kinds of approaches to prayer are not protecting the children from the assault that's coming against them. And so I'm really glad you brought that up because this is a major point that parents, godly parents, need to be aware of, especially if you are overcoming a background of significant bloodline iniquity, your kids need to be protected from these kinds of encounters while they sleep. And you need to, as a parent, put up that prayer shield. So thank you for, for, for sharing that. Now, you had voices in your head as a child until yeah, until that's a significant go. event. And I want to let you talk about that next. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so kind of that situation got old for my dad. And I think he knew something that we didn't, okay? Uh, Because I remember now the the problem, it 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 was just so much, me not sleeping. I was already probably like eight or nine years old. And, uh, and, um, my dad finally made the decision. He was like, I'm going to take you with your grandmother. I'm like, my grandma? He said, yeah. 
Okay, so we, we went to my grandma's house and um, she, her house was divided. It was uh, one room over here on the like uh, on the south side and the other one it was like on the, on, uh, what was it? Yeah, I think it was on, on the north side. Uh, uh, and then uh, they went to, to the room on the north side uh, of the part of the house. And then she just told them, okay, I'm gonna take Alex with me and I don't want anybody in there. Um, I am gonna, my dad talked to her about the problem and she, she was pretty upset. She said, she got really upset at my dad and, and, and she was like, why are you just telling me now? Why you letting your kid be like this for this long? So um, she finally takes me to the room and she just told me, hey, I need you to lay down, Alex, and I need you to close your eyes. And she put me in a bed and then she grabbed this stuff and this prayer. And then she said, I am going to knock on the walls and do certain ritual for you. She didn't say ritual, but I know that what it was now. So she said, and every time I call for your name, you have to scream, here I am. So she started grabbing this thing and then she had these, on the other hand, these prayers. And she was just doing this ritual and hitting the walls and screaming my name. She did it for four times because she went to the four uh, walls of the room. And then finally she light up some fire or something. And then uh, surprisingly enough, uh, it was like after that moment, all the voices just quit. But that was not the only thing that went off, I felt like my spirit was uh, tied or like it was not even there. I felt like I, I was just a soul, you know, and, and with a body, but my spirit was no longer there. Um, I had, after that, I had this thirst for the spiritual things, and um, but it was not the good things anymore. It was more of like the evil things. Um, at a really young age, I, I remember being uh, attracted to witchcraft and all of these things, which I actually never, when I was small, I, I didn't jump into that. I just liked it a lot. Uh, uh, but, and it was fascinating to me, but uh, I, I, I didn't do any, any, any of this stuff at, at that point. So then um, I started growing up and, and after that, pretty much life looked normal. Um, I went to school, you know, I, I had friends, went to my mom's house, my, and, and, you know, stay there and, and, and my grandma's back and forth. And I remember this event though, too, as well. I, I don't I think I was like on high school and no, it was not high school. It was middle school, probably. And uh, my mom got sick, really sick. I remember my dad taking my mom to the, to the hospital and she stayed there for like a week or something like that. And then the doctors finally gave up on her and they said, you know what, she's just gonna die. There's nothing we can do for her. Um, and once again, my dad took her home and he went to my grandma's house. And my grandma was again, uh, angry. Why are you taking her over there? Da, 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 da. And, uh, and my daddy, was, and she was like, okay, because I had, now my sister was there because I have a younger sister and a younger brother. My sister was already there. So she was like, go with the kids, go back home and come back within a week. So we let a week pass by and we go back a week later. And my mom is sitting down eating 
and like nothing really happened. My grandma smiles and she says, there's your wife, take her back home. Now my mom being a Christian, I feel like she was very naive mm. in the doctrine that she was uh, believing because I feel more than Bible uh, doctrine, she was getting a lot of man-made doctrine. Mm-hmm. Because I remember her, uh, me asking questions as a young kid. Uh, what about uh, extraterrestrial activity, mom? What about about UFOs and all this? And she used to tell me, "Well, I have never heard my pastor or anybody talk about these things." And uh, so I'm guessing that if it's not in the Bible, that it's not real. And if it is real, then the whole Bible is a lie. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, none of these things exist because if, if, if they do, then the Bible is a lie, you know? So mm-hmm. there again, I was, you know, believing a lie. And uh, so I kind of stopped asking questions about that stuff. And then, so all of these that I'm talking about, that was when I was living in Mexico, uh, I use, uh, it, which is the border with uh, El Paso, Texas, is Ciudad Juarez. So it got to the point that cartels and all of that was getting really bad. I was growing up and my family made a decision to come into the United States. So we go to El Paso and then from El Paso, one of my my uncles was living all the way uh, more to the center of of the United States. So we decided to move all the way here. And then after that, I started to feel a lot of rebellion in me. Like, I didn't want to be here. Uh, you took my friends, you took my life. Uh, what are you doing? My family's gone, you know? And, and then, so I started going to school and I was just, I didn't care about school. I started to skip school and to look for the, you know, for the friends that were like me. And um, I would like to go back a little bit just a little bit, because right before, I think it was a week before we came and made the transition from Mexico to, to the, the United States, uh, I got baptized in that church. And, my, and the church that my mom, that my mom was, it was uh, going, um, I had this uh, girlfriend and uh, we were, it was a special service and it was during the week and uh, I told my mom that I was going to go, but instead I went to see my girlfriend and uh, it got late and I was like, okay, let's just, let's go to church. So we go to church and I feel really bad for what, what I did. Instead of going to church, I went with my girlfriend and, and not to church. So I started to cry really. And, 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 and I was very, very sad for the, for what I was doing. And, um, I made the decision to get baptized that night. I called my dad and asked him for permission. My dad said no. I, my mom said yes. So I listened to my mom and I went and got baptized. The, I got baptized, but I didn't feel anything. No power, no Holy Spirit, no nothing. I repented of my sins. I went in the water. I came out of the water. The, the pastor was praying for me so hard. And then the deacon. And then, I mean, there was a lot of people. And I just, nothing. So... I was like, okay, uh, I'm already saved, but uh, I don't think I have the Holy Spirit. So I got all confused. And then, so then we moved to yeah. United States. And um, so I'm over here and I started going to church at the, uh, even though I was doing what I was doing in school. And then um, I started to play the drums and, and be active in church. And 
I remember once my dad visited the church and um, I wanted to get married at that time already. I was going to high school. I found someone and I wanted to get married. So my dad visited the church and I wanted to talk to, talk to my pastor about, you know, the, the wedding and all of these things. And um, so you, were, pastor, what, 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 I mean, how old were you in high school? I was, I was already these, I was already like, what, 18 years old? already okay so yeah I, I was already like you know you you ready. you were 18 yeah it's already 18 <laughs> you were ready to get married I was young. yeah I was young. yes I, I was so i had to drop off school because i was not really going in the school so they were gonna my mommy was getting in all kinds of trouble so they were like mm. your, your kid is old enough so why don't you just let him finish his gd and go let him find a job and so then i did get married um and that's how my life uh, here started it was very quick very fast um, then my my kid came to be my, my first my, my, my daughter and then um, that that only lasted. that marriage only lasted uh, about four years um, so pretty normal a guy with a job but that's whenever I kind of started experimenting with with drugs I was really not really into drugs at this point no nothing um, but then I started to people started offering me um, painkillers and stuff like that so I was like okay I can do that so I started doing it and and uh, then from from that it moved to ecstasy and then I started to party uh, my wife and I I mean the 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 marriage was just falling apart and and it, and it finally did we got divorced um, and on that on that little gap when I got divorced and my second wife, I just felt like I wanted, I had just had this rage inside of me and this pain. I did not know how to control it. Um, it was very intense. And uh, I started to, to, to take it out on, at the bars, at the, at the clubs. And, 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 it, and you know what I mean? Like always looking for trouble, looking for someone, you know what I mean? And all of my friends and, and, and about that life, really fast life. Um, I was not really into alcohol or anything like that. Um, and then I started noticing something that Red Bull helped me to concentrate and to feel very smooth. Mm. So I started drinking like a lot of Red Bull and a lot of energy drinks. So my Second wife comes to the pic in the picture, and uh, she. I, I go ahead. Wasn't there a, a visit to a medium by the grandmother? There was, which it was with my second wife. Okay. So what happened is that. Okay, just go ahead. And continue. Yeah. So. I got married again. I met my wife in a club. No, it was a bar. And a lot of guys were after her, but I was like, okay, well, I like you. And she ended up being with me. So we got married re real quick. We moved in together first. And then after a while, we got married. Yeah, I think I only took a break for like, what, six, maybe six months, <laughs> maybe. And then I got married again. And then, um, so... That actually helped me to slow down a little. Uh, I remember my friends at night used to call me when I was with my wife and uh, they would be like, hey, 
there's some guys and there's some people. Can you come and help us? So I'll be like, hey, I got to go. So I will leave in the middle of the night and I will go and do whatever we needed to do and then come back home. She was very worried about me, you know, and, and all of that. So, And just so that we understand, you're getting phone calls from people. Is this basically criminal activity type? It was, it was most of them. It was most of fights. Okay. It was like, oh, these guys did this so to us. So we, we're going to give it to them. So okay. are you in? And I'm like, yes, I'm in. So I would just go, you know, which I, it's criminal activity, I, I think, you know. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so I kind of stopped living that life. But I, I couldn't stop really being with girls. So even though I was already married and had my kids and, and then I had a, a baby boy with my second wife, I was still like, could not get away from girl. I, I just wanted to be around them. So um, I started to, to be, you know, engaging in, 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 in affairs and stuff like that. My, my wife uh, was not okay with that. And she left me once she came back and then she finally left uh, for the second time. But this is where everything gets, I think it, it kind of turns for me yeah. because, and this is where, where we're going to kind of, um, what you were mentioning, um, before she left me the second time, uh, <clears throat> I remember once um, I, I got off work and instead of going straight home, I stopped on my mom's house and uh, I had a key. So I opened the door and my dad is, as soon as I opened the door, my dad is there right in front of my mom and is touching my mom's face. And then I said, what's going on? My dad looks at me very angry and he says, where have you been? And I'm like, well, with my family. And I just, you know, I came to visit and he said, well, your mom is being with this problem for a week. And she had like a lot of bumps on her face and uh, my mommy was like, Alex, sit down. It's, it's nothing. Let's just eat. And I was like, no, 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 no. There, there is something. Have you been to the doctor? And she said that she had, and they thought that it was just uh, an infection. So I, we go back to the doctor. And a week later, she got diagnosed with leukemia, bone marrow cancer. <clears throat> so that's what it was. And uh, after that, I took kind of control over the house um my brother it was already he was in high school if i if i remember correctly and my younger brother my sister was already married uh so something needed to be done and the city where we live uh there were not any specialists there was no specialist for her to be seen by so we had to send her all the way to el paso texas um and for the first time right there because i was very close to my mom um, I felt something that I have never felt before, and that was depression. I used to be a guy with a very, very strong personality and a very, uh, I could take the world by myself, you know? Uh, and uh, when I felt that, it shook me. I didn't know what to do about it. I don't know who to go to for help. I, I didn't know really I, I, I got lost so we sent my mom back to uh, El Paso Texas and um, I started to I used to be really good with electronics 
and uh, mess around with all this stuff. And uh, I bought an iPad and, and the screen, it was broken. And then uh, I bought the part for it. And I had a friend and they had, they had the tool that I needed to, to do the job. And I called him and I was like, hey, can I stop by? And he said, yeah, you can. So I go by and I started to take everything apart. And then he pulls out a pipe and it's a glass pipe. And then he started smoking right in front of me. And then I said, what is that? And he, I really didn't know what meth was. So I just said, he said, it's meth. And I didn't know what he was talking about. So I just said, okay, can I have some? And he said, yeah, you can. So he gave me some and uh, it took one hit and I got hooked. And, and I remember taking the first hit and then I, I look at the pipe and I said, me and you are going to be friends for a long time because it took all the pain away. It didn't took it away, but I didn't feel the pain. Mm. It was not that it was gone. It, it was just, I couldn't feel it anymore. And uh, it gave me a feeling that I've never felt before. And it was a lot of euphoria and, and I don't know, it just, it just changed and uh, changed me. Um, and I quit the Red Bull after that. I was drinking like a 12 pack a day. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to stick to this. And, and it's, it's just, I think it's better. You know, that's what I was thinking at the time. So that drug just helped me to, to go by my days. And um, I started meeting people. At first, I was going to him for it. And then I met another guy, another, another guy. And he was actual, like a dealer. And uh, we started to hang out. And um, I started to buy drugs from him. And um, my wife at this time, she, she didn't know about my addiction. Uh, 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 I mean, she didn't say anything, but um, I finally came like open. I opened up to her and I was like, okay, look, check this out. I'm using drugs and I don't know what to do. I'm like, I feel like I want to kill myself. I have a lot of suicidal thoughts and, um, I need help. And she said, I will help you. Now, I had been engaging with a lot of people already uh, in smoking together and staying out late and going out to pick up some drugs and 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 and, and, and girls, you know, and, and, and they wanted to, you know, to smoke with me and that thing led to the other. And it was just, it was a mess. Um, so a week pass goes by and I received a phone call while I was at work and it was my ex-wife and she said, Alex, I'm leaving. And I said, I thought you were going to help me. And she said, I can't. She said, my, my grandma visited a medium and she told me everything that you're doing. I, I, was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, are you going to listen to what they're saying? But she already knew everything. Hmm. And I was carrying a lot of drugs with me in my truck, like a lot. And I told her, I'm on my way. And she said, the cops are outside. Don't even come. I still went. And I parked my, my truck in the driveway. And um, she left. Mm -hmm. it, it, it destroyed me, Dan, because um, I did not know where to go after that. I did not. I did not know where to turn. I did not know 
what to do. Um, so I call, I was about to like really take my life right then. And then I called, I called my dealer and I said, Hey, uh, this happened. And, um, I, I really don't want to leave anymore. And what he told me was, Alex, you don't know who you are, do you? And then I said, no, I don't. And then he said, you are worth a lot. He said, don't do that. He said, I want you. And um, he said, come and see me. I want to talk to you. So I hang up the phone and uh, I went with him. And I stayed with him for a while. Um, I left the house and I was living in, in motels and hotels and, and just here and there. Um, I, I, I quit my job. Um, and now I was all about the drugs. Um, he did not said what he knew about me or what he had seen in me. But, um, I started meeting a lot of people, a lot of people in the drug scene, a lot of, a lot of guys high up and they used to come to me and they wanted to be my friend and, and all of these things somehow they were very attracted to me and they all wanted to be around me. Um, my spirit at the time, like I, I was still couldn't see what was happening. I was still pretty much blind. And, uh, it, it, one time this guy jumps in the picture and uh, he became a really good friend of mine. Um, his family had a lot of business here in town uh, and own a lot of clubs and bars and stuff like that. So I met this guy and we clicked, we clicked. And uh, I remember once I went to pick up some drugs from, from my dealer and uh, I was going to, to the room that where he was staying at. So I go in, I picked up the drugs. He gives me a lot. And then I was going around the corner on the, on the motel. And, uh, I see this blonde, uh, in her trunk, digging in her trunk and pulling out some stuff in her purse and stuff like that. And I just stopped. And then I said, Hey you. And then she comes towards me and I said, do you smoke? She looks around and she says, smoke what? And I said, I pulled out the drugs. So there were a lot. So she said, come with me. So I go inside of the room. She pulls out this big pipe and we started to smoke. Now I did not know who she was. I did not know what she was about. And we started to engage first as as just friends. Um, I, I, then I, I knew that she was homeless and that she, was living in hotels, motels, and everything she could. And um, and then after that, I had two places to go, which she was my dealer, and it was this new girl that I just met. Um, I remember this 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 very vividly. So this is one time, Dan. Um, I was living w- with with the dealer in this motel and um, it was during during the day and uh, we were in the room and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go take a break. I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna shower and I'll be right back. And this other guy was like, okay, I'll go with you. 
but I started noticing some things by, by, by this time. There was a lot of people protecting me, not wanting me to get hurt or to hurt myself. And I did not tell anyone. I, I just knew. And I thought actually that somebody knew my situation and what my family was going through, that they hired someone just to watch over me. Um, and I, so I didn't say anything. But then I think on the way home, I talked to my friend that was with me and I told him, hey, I think that there's somebody following us. And he said, okay. Uh, he really didn't pay much attention to it. And I just didn't pursue the conversation more. And then, so I go home, I take a shower real quick. We hit the road again and I'm going back to the, to the motel. And um, all of a sudden, Dan, I'm going in the highway and I see all these cars surrounding me. Hmm. And then I'm going towards the motel and all of them blocked me and got me out of the highway and I, I, at this point, my friend, he was freaking out. He was like, what's happening? Do you know them? What's wrong with this? I, I, you're not telling me something. And I was like, man, I'm telling you, there's some people that is following me and I do not know who they are. And then they got me off the highway. They got off the highway with me, some of them, and they blocked me as much as they, 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 they could. Uh, and finally, I made it probably about 30 minutes later and from the house that I, that I was at to the motel, it was probably like a, I don't know, eight minute drive. So it took me that long to get there. When I got there, the place was raided. The cops were there. They knew where we were. They knew where the, the drugs were. They knew the room. So I go to the back of the motel and this lady that cleans the room sees me and she's just like, go, keep on going. Don't stop. Don't stop. So I go over there and I just, I just left and I didn't look back. And like later we found out that, yeah, they took them to jail. Some of my friends and all of these things. But then I was like, that was very, very uh, weird to me. I was like, who's after me? Who's after me? Who wants me? Um, and this is where, uh, this is the element of your story that many targeted individuals report is it's very interesting traffic patterns that force the targeted individual as the driver to do things or take detours they wouldn't normally take for no explainable reason i and and, and the interesting thing is that here it seemed like you were being protected from exposure and you are entering a world at this time where people are insinuating that there is something about you that they are seeing, but not telling you. Mm -hmm. And because they knew, Dan, that I couldn't see, even mm. though, you know, whenever you use drugs, you just open yourself mm -hmm. to the spirit realm. And I was doing these, this drug, meth, which is a pretty strong drug. And I was not even able to open up myself to that, but yet they were able to see what was in me and all the power that it was at work in me. So after that, I started to question a lot of things. And then I started to go to the places where, where I only had like four routes that I was on a daily basis just going to every day, which it was my friend 
who gave me the drugs the first time, it was the girl that I met at the motel and it was the place where I was staying at and probably where my house was. So I didn't have many options to go to. This is like kind of what I was doing every day. So I'm going to shift a little bit from, 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 my, from the drugs and then I, I'm going to go to what I was doing with the girl that I just met. So we moved to one uh, motel to the other one and I was basically now from staying from, with my friends over there with the drugs, I kind of moved with her. So now I, I'm over here and I'm still seeing the same people that was on that motel over there. Now they are on this one, following me where I was. And I think that they, I don't know if they do it on purpose, but I feel like they were trying for me to spot them and be like, okay, there they are, uh, to let me know that they were there. And um, I didn't say nothing to her at first. Now I didn't know, Dan, that she was a witch, okay? And obviously she didn't say anything. And um, I started to, to engage with her as well sexually. And um, I remember a lot, of, a, a lot of weird things about this place because I remember about this particular motel, I used to go in and there was people, there, young people that were there at this place. But then I remember seeing all this technology in the rooms. I remember seeing what it looked like these computers and these people working in these computers all the time sitting there. And then I met this guy uh, going out once. One time I was going out the door and and then he he was like hey bro what's up and I was like not much man what's up and he said how long have you been here and then I said I don't know maybe a month a month and a half and he said have you had any progress and I was like what are you talking about and he said and I said I don't know and he said man they haven't found really anything with me um or anything like that and I was like okay cool so Dan, what 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 it was happening? What what the Holy Spirit came to tell me later after all that stuff happened and I got saved? It was that they were looking at people's spiritual capacities and they were inserting in them, like making a mixture like of hybrids and stuff like that, and through the drugs and through all these technologies that they had in this place, they were doing all that. Now, I didn't know that they were actually working with me as well because I was not there willingly. I went there because my friend that I was with at the time was there. Now, it was very weird to me that she, she switched from one motel to the other and then all of a sudden, I see all these set up. Then I told her, hey, you know what? We were driving once. And then I told her, hey, you know what? I'm being followed. And she said, you're being paranoid. And I'm like, no, for real, I'm being followed. So I started pointing out some cars. And then we started driving. And then I point out some more cars. And then she started seeing them pretty much on a daily basis. She got so paranoid. Dan, there were two people, two type of, uh, um, how can I explain this? Uh, 
interested in me. Mm. It was the people that it was at the motel, but then now there were some other people that she didn't know about. So she got very nervous and then the activity just kept on going and going and going. Finally, I'm going to move to the drugs. My dealer that I was running around with, with the drugs. And at the time I was too as well, moving, moving drugs with them. Um, he was like, Alex, I'm going to, I'm going to hook you. I'm going to, I'm going to make some, something work with another guy that is higher up. He said, so, so, you know, I mean, he's going to take care of you and this and that. So this new guy comes in the picture. Um, from here, um, my third eye or the third eye finally opens. He, they give me this mixture of drugs that it was very powerful. And it calls for my spirit to get free, like unleashed, whatever it was that it was trapped. And it opened my eye, my third eye, and then I started to see on the on in the spirit, and uh, it was very traumatic because I was I never knew what that was. I, I didn't know what it was. I've never had anything really supernatural going on, you know. And uh, so my third eye opened, and I remember one time my friend comes and picks me up, the drugs, the, the drug dealer, and he's like, "How are you?" And I looked at him and I said hey, how, how come you didn't tell me that my third eye was opening? And then he said, he looked at me and then he patted me on my back and he said, there's just some things that you need to learn on your own, Alex. And I said, okay. So I accepted that and I took it and I said, okay, this is a new part of me. This is, this is part of my, of who I am. Now I have a question before you continue. Um, with this group of people that were dealing drugs and meth in that area, were they opening the third eye of everyone? that got so high in the chain of command, so to speak, of the, of, of the operation. It's like you get to a certain point and then they give that individual the mixture, they open the third eye so they can, or was it just you? Or do you even know? Yeah, they were trying to open my eye for a long time. From the, from the first guy, they, mm. were, they were trying to get me, they were trying for me to understand what was happening. I was blind. They were seeing what I couldn't see. So they were trying and they would talk to me, Alex, don't you know, don't you see? And I'd be like, I don't. So they were trying and trying and trying and trying until they finally got it. Now, this guy, particularly, he, he, he had something that he wanted from me and, and, and uh, he kept me very close to him. One time, one of his friends had a problem in the, in the front yard. And we go over there. So he was kind of like exposing me to more people on the occult. So we go to this house and they have to do some work in the front yard. And they have to use these, uh, I don't know, I don't even know what they are, like a pickaxe or something like that. And uh, th like the ground, it was very hard or something going on right there. And uh, he see, I, he's observing me this whole time. So I pick up this tool and I just started to use it. And I just heard him say, he said, huh, super strength. Hmm, how nice. And I just looked at him like, what are you talking about? You know, like it has been my strength all of my life. And then he said, okay, okay, I see that. So from there, he started calling a lot of people. I remember a lot of uh, Native Americans and, and a lot of different cultural people. Um, we used to go to his house and he would bring these different people around me. 
and they gave me the approval. Everyone that came to see me, they would come to me and they would just look at me and he would look at them. He would laugh and he would say, I told you, I told you. And they would be like, yep, that's him. And he'll be like, yes, Alex, yes. And I would just look at him like, what, you know? So a lot of, that was pretty much what was happening. I started to meet more, more people, more people starting to come with me. But then I see a, a, like different associations and being all around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember this particular time we were driving on the street and I see these cars with the tag, the, 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 the license plate, it was from like uh, Middle East and all these places. And they would just surround me. And um, he would used to just roll the window down. And he used to scream, he's not your Messiah. Go back to where you came from, you punks. And scream all these things. And then um, he'll be like, don't listen to them, Alex. You're not, you, you don't belong to them. And um, so, you know what I mean? So I'll be like, okay, whatever you say. So we were just driving around. Really, Dan, um, I was seeing all the fight that it was going on and everything that it was happening around me, but I was not very interested in it. I, mm-hmm. I, like, I was like, okay, yet. Um, I just see all these things and all these clues and, 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 the, and, and, and all, of this, all of this happening around me, but at the time, I was really in pain, and, and I was really sad because what my mommy was going through. So I was not even paying attention to that yet. So I go back to my, to the girl that he was staying, that I was staying with in the motel. And uh, right there, it's like when things get, when I starting to realize what's happening Mm -hmm. and I starting to realize um, that, that she's been reading me the whole time. She's been reading my mind. She's been reading my, reading my thoughts and she knows everything pretty much about me. And, um, she started to link up with some other people. And, um, I just started to, to say with her more than anybody else. And, um, from here, we were staying together. She started to talk to me about some things. Um, I got, I feel like, I started to belong and like, I started to, to, to like ex- feel accepted. So after these, she started to push me more and more and more to go out, to go out and, and be activated, to go out and, and, and accept these that has been presented to me and, and to, to, to pursue this and to be okay with it, to be comfortable with me seeing in the spirit realm, to be, to be a, she will help me a lot psychologically. Like she will tell me certain things that will make me react certain ways to understand some things. But I, yet I didn't know her intentions completely towards me yet. So I started to stay with her for a while until I feel completely comfortable. Um, and then she finally felt that it was necessary for me to be on my own because I was taking too long to make a decision on my own, if I really wanted that life or if I didn't. Although the things that were in me were belonging there. So she left me and I stay in the motel by myself. 
uh, she left with, with a friend and I stayed there. And I started to, to think about everything that was happening and what I was going to do with this. Uh, and I made a decision then. I made a decision. And I remember up to this point, I remember blacking out a lot. So when I was blacking out, I remember blood be, being spilled, my blood. And then I remember some letters and, and, and paperwork being, my blood was being dropped to these papers and all of these things. Uh, like I said, I was in and out of consciousness this, this time. So finally, I decided to, to, to make the, the next move. So that was one night and I called her and I said, I'm going to do it. And she said, okay, okay. Uh, just remember, this is something that she used to say a lot. You're a good one, Alex. You're a good one. You're not a bad one. You're a good one. I, I didn't understand completely back then or at that time when she said that, what it meant. Hmm. But then later on, I did. So what she was saying that I was a good one is that when I finally made the decision to jump in and be part of it, this world opened up to me. And now I was getting instructions. And now the instructions were in the spirit realm. There were arrows. There was this. There was that that I needed to follow. There was... Um, Explain that. How, how okay. would you follow an arrow? There were literally arrows marked on the ground in the spirit that would tell me where I needed to go and where to turn, where to look. Yeah, there were all of this information floating around and I was just needed to follow. Uh, at the beginning, it was, it was very hard for me to do it. So I, this, I just knew things. Something that woke, like, I don't know. I just knew where to go. I just knew where to be. I did not know fully what I was capable of doing with this new power that I had and I had accepted. Um, I just knew that I knew things and that I knew how to get it done. So, for example, um, I remember going to the lobby of this place, of the motel that I, where I was staying at, and, and, and I remember her, uh, she called me, I called her, and then she said, uh, do you... You, do you need a car? And I said, well, I, I can use one. I had my truck, but I was going to get another one. So she said, okay, so call this number and uh, say so-and-so sent you. They're going to be there, and they, they will get you your car, the one that you have. And I said, okay. So I go to the lobby. Um, I call this number in my room. I didn't went to the lobby yet. I, go, I call this number. They come, and somebody saw me getting into this, 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 this truck. So they call me to the lobby. And there's two cops standing right there waiting on me. And they said, hey, are you trying to break in in this car? And I said, no, I wasn't. And then they said, there was a guy this whole time sitting on the couch. And it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And he was sitting on the couch, monitor. He was, like, watching everything that it was happening and making sure that I was not being uh, uh, exposed and that I was not being uh, treated the wrong way. So the cops come. And they and I told them no, it's it's actually my car. And they said, oh no 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 no, sir, you got confused. Your car is in the front, not on the back. They said, and I said, okay, my car is in the front. He said, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. We're about we're leaving. So they leave, and my truck that they wanted me to take, it was right on the front of the building. So this guy comes around, gets me a key. I jump in the truck. Dan, 
it was full of gifts brand new equipment the truck it was capable of like i had these magnets on the side to to get it camouflaged uh, it had all this technology in it it had it had these uh uh, social security numbers. It had these credit card numbers. It had everything I needed. It was there. And then he said in a note, something about welcome to the family, my kid, uh, whatever, whatever. And um, it was like my initiation or, you know, like they were giving me the welcome to, 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 to the new life. Um, I remember a lot of books. Some of the books were like really great deals in, in cars, like half of price and all of these things, man. My phone all of a sudden changed. It was not the regular phone that we have. Uh, it, it opened up completely to a different, different operating system, uh, but like more in depth, more information. Then I came to find out through my phone and all the information that it was given to me that the place where I live, it's where they classify the species that they are on cosmical beings. So then I understood that I was hosting an extraterrestrial life form, which at the time, I didn't know that what I know now that they are fallen angels, which not all of them, some of them are of God, but pretty pretty clear that what was in me was not of God. So I read all this article and about this person. And then I found out that, that this place, it was where they would classify all, the, all of them, the good ones, the bad ones, the power, that, that what's at work in them, what they can do, uh, making sure that they're not manifesting, making so, sure that. So this knowledge came to you with the transition Yes. And all the extra yes. data that had opened up. So now all of a sudden you have access to data that says this is what th we, the evil people and collective, yeah. are yes. doing here. You yes. couldn't get this no. before you signed up. Nope. They were just waiting for me to take that step. And as soon as I did, it opened up to me. Everything. So I started reading, but I was not reading enough. I mean, fast enough because there was so much information that I needed to digest. Um, so I, I get the truck, I drove, drove off. I came back to the, to the hotel. I stayed the night there next morning. I get up and I leave the, the motel. And I remember, um, I remember going to the gas station and I, 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 I don't remember what I did. I think I got some, something to eat or whatever. And then, uh, I remember going down the highway and this power came over me. And everything just turned purple, went purple. And then I felt this power so strong and this anger inside of me. And then I, I said, I said, I think I said, this is where I belong. This is where I belong. And then I turned the radio up and I think it was a song saying hell to the king. And it was a rock song saying hell to Satan. And then I started singing it. Um, then I started to do things. I started to to know and learn how things work behind the scenes when everybody's just sleeping, when everybody's not even paying attention, how everything is just moving. I had all of a sudden someone that will be able to change the V number of my car. I had someone that can um, just for pretty much everything I needed, it was there. So I started to explore this new world. 
and I started to come out at night and, and man, there was just so many, so many of, of, of them. And, uh, I remember calling, calling, calling this girl that I was saying with, and, 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 uh, she was giving me instructions and pointing me to the directions that I needed to be. Um, so I called her and I was like, Hey, I want to see you. She says, came to this street. And uh, I go to that street and it's a bank. So I go to the bank and I, I don't know, I just felt like I needed to go to the ATM. So I go to the ATM then pretty much the devil became my dad. I had a, I had a new dad and I wanted to use him. So I go to the ATM. As soon as I, I stop in front of the, of the screen, the screen goes off and starts to, to mess up, to mess up. And then I was like, uh, can I have the keys of the ATM? And the keys of the ATM appear right in my center console. So I grabbed the keys. Then I started to open in the ATM. I put my vest. I camouflage my truck. So for the regular people, the regular uh, that are not in it, they will never knew that I was actually doing something that is complete. You know what I mean? Uh, behind scenes. So I camouflage my truck and I put my vest. I take out my notepad. And I started opening this ATM about to take the money out. Um, I didn't because I needed a phone. I didn't have my phone with me, but I did not ask for a phone. Uh, what I did is I got in the truck. I closed everything back and I just drove off. And then I met this guy on the corner. I asked him for a phone and he said, no, I can't. It's not time yet. He said, or something like that. And then I said, okay. So I drove off and went back to the, to the place. At this, at, at this point, Dan, what I'm thinking, because I'm not completely sure about this, is that some of my parts were bringing information out to them. So they didn't so, see something stable yet. So they didn't let me operate fully yet, but some. And I went back and... Uh, I sit there for a while and I waited to see what was happening. Um, but I still, I was still with a lot of information in my hands and I was able to, to, to see things and to communicate with people and to communicate with them, with them. Like I didn't have to call anyone. All I needed to do is open my browser and type whatever I needed, whatever question I had and click on the search and all of the questions that I needed to know, they were there. Uh, even though if I had, if I had any question in my head, all I had to do is really look at my phone and the answer will appear right on my screen without me even looking for it. So they were in my head pretty much 24 seven, knowing what I'm thinking, what I'm doing and all of this. Um, and there was an interface with technology. Somehow. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, technology was working with me. Like you, See, and, 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 and I, just, I just need to say this. I, I need to pause. Go ahead. Because what you're saying is, is, is really good. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me good. The convergence between humanity and the synthetic realm has been well underway for decades this connects to transhumanist agendas, and that's the word that we've put on this idea. But from the kingdom of darkness and their perspective, there has been an interface between people and machine stuff that has been executed through the spirit world. 
And they've been doing this for a long time. And I tell you this, I rarely find young people needing heavy deliverance from dark things that does not require a de-interfacing from synthetic, holographic, artificial intelligence, kingdoms, and realms. This is a level of spiritual warfare that the body of Christ needs to wake up and simply stop sleeping on. And people think it's crazy. It's not crazy. It's just where we're at. Anyway, you're interfacing with technologies. It's working with you. You're working with it. You're in the family. You're in the club. Satan's your daddy. Gosh, that's terrible. Please continue. So I, I think this is when, when I'm like, okay, what am I going to do next? So I decided my mom comes back to, from El Paso to, to my city. And um, now she's starting to see that I have a problem and that I need help. She doesn't know fully what I'm going through. All she knows is the, is the drugs. Um, I, I started to, to, to get dehydrated. But yeah, I, I think I, I, went, I went to her house and uh, <clears throat> I started to get dehydrated because I was really not eating or anything um, uh, or drinking uh, fluids. So I go to her house and then I go over there and I started to rest and stuff like that. I remember this, uh, this, this, some, one time she brought her pastor over and this guy came with them. They had the gift of discernment of spirits. So they come and my mom's like, Alex, they want to talk to you. You know, they want to talk to you. Can you just come and be polite and just, just listen to what they have to say? Uh, so I said, okay. So I go over there and sit on the, in front of them in the couch. And then they were like, started talking to me, talking to me about, you know, Jesus and, and all of that and, and, and all of the plant salvation plan, the plan of salvation and all of that. And then I started hearing a demon in my room or the room where I was staying at laughing. And then I, I was like, hold, hold, hold on, hold on. Uh, there's a demon back there and they're laughing at you. They look at each other and their faces completely changed. <laughs> and then the guy that had the gift of discernment said, can you take, can you take us there? They go get up, both get up, and then they, we go to the back room, and and it was on the, and my room was upstairs, so I I could hear the demon just laughing at them, and then um, I said, yeah, he's up there and he's laughing at you right now, and then the pastor's like, to the guy that had the gift of the sermon, can you go? And he said, okay, so he goes up there, he sees the demon, <laughs> he comes down running. He goes to my mom and he said, we have to come back another day. It was a pleasure to meet you, son. See ya. They left. So my mommy was like, Alex, I don't know what happened. I said, mom, they're weak. The power that they have is weak. So <laughs> that, 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 only, <laughs> like, that only helped me to know or to, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm where the power is. So didn't help at all really um so i go i think it was like 
two, three days after that, I go to the bathroom and, and there was a lot of activity, activity around me, Dan. Uh, most of what I cannot even, um, uh, I, I, I haven't learned everything that it was happening around me, but I remember these very, very vividly because uh, I learned something about my body that I didn't know that I was able to, to do, um, which it was, I was standing in the, in the mirror in the, in the bathroom um, and, and I, I didn't have a shirt on. And uh, I see these uh, nanotechnology coming from the back like an octopus and it starts to poke me all through my back and the back of my body and it started to release this liquid my body starting to get big and big and big and swollen and it was stretching so much then it started to hurt and then I said hold 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 up hold up I'm not ready for this yet and as soon as I said that they they came loose again and then went back in place where they, where they came from. Then later I went to the room where I was saying, I opened my phone and yeah, they told me what they were doing. There were some scientific people uh, saying that they were experimenting with some nanotechnology and they have found a match for it or whatever, whatever, which they were talking about me and that it worked and da, 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 all of these things. So I'm like, okay, so this is what they were doing. You know what I mean? So then I was like, okay, whatever. So, Really, I from there, I started to stay indoors. I really didn't want to move a lot. I wanted to stay indoors. Um, I was seeing all of all of the things that were happening, and um, one time I went out, and I was driving down the street, and I ran out of gas, and I parked my truck on the side. And then all of a sudden, uh, Dan, uh, I went to this house, mm -hmm. which I thought that it was an empty house. And I started knocking at the door. Nobody opened. But I heard some voices. And then I went to the back and started knocking at the door. Nobody opened. Then I come to the front yard and I see four big muscle guys. They're cops. Hey, stop. And they come at me. And the first one tackles me and I put him flying on the air. And then the next one comes and I, I, I kind of hold him in place. And then the next one, and I stop him as well. So there's two. And then the next one, there's three. And I'm stopping them. And I'm like my size. And then they come from behind the other one that came out flying and just jumps on me. And they finally take me to the ground. And they just started stomping on me. And I'm like laughing and screaming hysterically this feels really good. And then they put the handcuffs on my back uh, behind, yeah, on my, on my hands and behind my back. And then all of a sudden my body started to, to get big and swelling. Like my muscles just started to, to get huge. And these guys freak out. They started freaking out. Who is this guy? Who is he? Who is he? So they put me in the back of the car and they started calling people. They take me to, 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 to the jail, but they don't, don't, they didn't take me to the pot right, like immediately. They took me to the waiting lobby or whatever. And then that reading session started to happen. Um, they had this girl 
that it was that one that it was projecting my thoughts into through it, the whole entire people that was there. There were there were sheriffs, there was uh, inmates, there were uh, other people. There were a lot of people, and they wanted to see who I was. Um, so I knew that this was taking place. So I started to talk to them like that, telepathic. And then I started to, to tell my story. I started to tell where I come from. I started to tell what I'm doing. I'm starting to tell all of these. All of a sudden, a part inside of me is starting to be acting up and starting to make me mess up. And oh, it's just a lot of interference. These two guys on the back, they're huge. And they get up and they're coming to me to intimidate me. When they get really close, then my eyes started being a projector and they started to project this ancient civilization and they started to tell the story like step by step in the spirit realm it was like a hologram or something and i could feel my my body just going and it was like a movie and everybody just the guys just went whoa and they sat back down and they watched the movie and after that they were like okay yeah, he's, he's, so they're like, okay, we're going to, you can go back in and da, da, da. they put me in the pot. They noticed that there was a lot of entities in me that they were, um, they didn't belong there. So they put me in the pot and these two guys with African drums and all of these things starting to, to play them. And they started to make these noises and they started to do certain things. I was laying down on the floor and all of a sudden, sudden I feel these spirits being pulled out of me. One by one by one. They did that for like maybe, maybe two hours. And they just kept on coming and living and living and living. They got tired of it. And they said, there's so many. This whole time when I was on the bed, I was hallucinating or oh, I was just going places and I would see fallen angels, extraterrestrial activity and all of these things while I was in the bed and they were doing all these things. Like my mind, it was just going and going and going and going and going. Uh, finally, I get out. Uh, they took me out. They said, hey, we can only do so much. We will keep on working with them. Uh, so they, they get me out of jail. I go back to, to my mom's house. Uh, and I stayed there for a while. Then, I ha then they sent me to the hospital because my mom said that I, was, that I needed some fluids. So they sent me to the hospital. And uh, I go to the hospital. And uh, they really didn't do much. And then they sent me back home. And then after these, and it's whenever, I think it was right here. It was one night I was looking at the window and I was just looking at the night and um, it looked so peaceful and, 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 and nice. And, and, and all of a sudden, like I was used to hanging out with demons and all these things um, <clears throat> that I thought that, that I was where the power was, you know? So these force, energy, presence, pierced through the dark right where I was standing he comes and he felt so good 
And then I said, oh, I, I could see my life and everything that I was doing and what it was happening then. And then I, I looked down and I said, I am a monster. And then I started crying, which I, I, I couldn't cry really when I was there. And then I started crying and then he hugged me. And then he said, you are mine. Mm. And then he left. And all the darkness came back and all of the things and it was just shifting everywhere and all these things. But I want to know, I wanted to know who this guy was that came and overpowered the powers that I was with and running around with. I wanted to know who was he that was able to pierce through all this and to, that told me that I was his. So I thought, well, the devil is my father, but now there's somebody else telling me that I belong to him. And I could not think past my head who it was. So I go out of the room. Everybody's sleeping. My mom has Bibles everywhere. I grab one of her Bibles and I open the, the Bible in Psalms 2, which talks about the Messiah and the world being against him and everything like that. So I read that and I was like, okay, well, I really didn't find any answers there. So I closed the Bible and I put it away, but something happened then. And it was that the spirit realm knew well who that guy was. Mm. And at this point that I had an owner and they started to set me up for failure. Now they really weren't trying to help me. Now they were trying to incriminate me. They were trying to make me fail on my assignments. They were they they turn against me, and all of these demons and spirits they they were they were helping me. They were not anymore. So <clears throat> from here, I remember going to the hospital again, and going to jail one more time. And I go to jail. And the, I met these guys. They really don't try to do what they were doing, but they do wanted to see if the entity that I was hosting, it was still there. So they did some work. They found out that it was there. Then they, now they were using a lot of intimidation, a lot of pressure. The, on the, the sessions, that, 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 the, the, the mind-to-mind communication, now they're starting to torment me and to, to break me down, to put fear in me, to make me paranoid, to, to do all these things. And they were trying to take this entity out of me for their purpose. Now they didn't want me to be the host. So somehow they wanted to take, take us apart. And uh, <clears throat> then, so they take me to, to, to my cell and there's this guy right here and his name was Dexter. This is the only and last time I saw him ever. And there's this guy right here and he's in there and he's acting like a maniac. He's screaming at me. He's pushing me. Who, what are you doing? And, and just, he pulls out a knife and then he says, I'm going to stab you. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then he says, when I was like you, 
I was able to do more things than what you were able to do or than what you are able to do. Why don't you show me what you got? I was able to take down these doors. They're pretty heavy metal doors. The ones that they use in the cells. He said, with one punch, can you do that punk? Can you do that? So at this point I was really, uh, my adrenaline was just running and the power was just flowing. So I went, yes, I can. And I hit the door with everything I had. The door just started shaking in the glass. And I looked at my hand and my hand, it was like nothing happened to it. And the guy just put the knife down and he just, his jaw just dropped. And, and the, the guards just come into the, into the cell. What's happening? What's happening? They knew what, it was, what was happening, okay? And then he said, he grabbed me. He's like, boy, boy, what did you see? What did you see, boy? What did you see? So I look at the wall and he said, what do you see right here? And then I looked, at, I looked at the wall and I saw the face of the devil. And then I said, I see Lucifer. And he said, wicked, wicked. Okay, okay. And then, and then the, the officer said, we, we need to take you with us. So they take me with them. Um, Dan, I was very hostile. Like I, I, I was, I, I did it, I was, they were trying so hard for me to stay, but I was just, shaking and moving and doing all these things and uh they were not happy with that because they felt like they didn't have control over me and they felt like they could not take away this power and they felt like i was not submitting and they felt like there was too much going on in me for them to even catch up with it they didn't even know how to so they were trying to i felt a lot of exchanging of parts in the spirit realm they will take my shoulder out put it back replacements movement and all of that and a lot that was like my daily uh, all these parts in but the core of the power it, it was never gone it was there so they tried a lot of things but the core was still there the main thing so <clears throat> they take me to a solitary like to the hole by myself and uh i go in there and again, in the spirit, in the, in, the, in the walls, I see a lot of writings. Be nice. Be humble. Treat people nice. Stop doing this. Stop having so much sex. Stop abusing drugs. Stop this. Stop that. And it was, I just went all around the room looking at everything that they were telling me to do and everything that they wanted me and expecting from me. Then I finally go to the place where I started and I see these Aztec, like it looked like a god, and in the spirit, and showing me that I was him. And uh, <clears throat> I was like, okay, cool. So I hear these people talking to me, but not to me. They were talking to the other, on the other part of the cell, on the other part of the, on the other room. I now know that they were pulling parts to that room to talk to them about me. And then they placed them back. Some of them, they took capture, whatever they did with them. Then, Dan, I really didn't want to go out. But then I went to the hospital again. And I went to the hospital because I was dehydrated again. So you were in prison and they finally let you out of prison. They let me out of prison. But while they, they, you were in prison, all this was happening. You were even jail. writing, yeah, jail. Writing on the walls, you were, but in the spirit, you're yeah, reading yeah. Stuff. I'm reading and everything. That... While you're there, 
they are doing something to pull parts of your soul fragments in and out of your physical body to talk to them in the spirit world or whatever they were doing, put them back in, take others out. This is all under the <laughs> confines of jail life. And then they let you out. Yeah. Yeah. They, after that, they were like, okay, whatever. Uh, he's out. So no one went and picked me up or anything like that. Uh, so I walked all the way home. Um, really, I don't have really any friends anymore. Uh, I, I'm just by myself. After after I had that visitation, I go back to my mom's house and I just I just stay there. But then my mom noticed that I was I, I was using drugs. Okay, I was still using drugs. Um, <clears throat> and then when I went home, I started using drugs. I believe a, a little bit more. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, my mom sends me to the to the hospital, and uh, the ambulance c uh, came to the house, and they put me in the bed and all that, and I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Well, you're going. So they take me, and um, they put some fluids, and they put me to sleep. They put me to sleep, and to my surprise, when I wake up, I was complete. Like my body was so tuned and so smooth. It was so strong. And I was able to run and I'm not even exaggerating. So I wake up and I'm complete. They release me. There's no one there, just me. And I was complete. They put all my parts together. Um, by this point, I already know what I can do. I can call for the cosmos and all the minerals that my, my body needs and bring them into my body. I'm capable of extracting water from the floor, from the ground, from the grass, and put it into my body. I'm able to um, extract the light out of the light socket or whatever and, and put it in my body. I'm able to do all these things. The more interesting thing that thing to me was to call on the cosmos and give me what they, what I need for my body. And uh, I call a lot of, a lot of things out of it. Uh, <clears throat> I would just say that, and I would see them coming and coming into me. Um, they were able to see what I was doing as well. They were, surprised they never seen anything like that what i what i understand what they were saying uh, <clears throat> so i go out they release me and i go out and uh, i step on the street and i'm testing my new body i just feel this power flowing out of me and then i started to walk and then i started to run and then i started to noticing that i'm able to run 50 miles per hour and it's still like four o'clock in the morning, 4.30, and there's not very many cars, but there was some cars and they saw me going through the streets running 45, 50 miles per hour. And I was just, but I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I used to get tired, so I had to take breaks. And, and then I said, well, I'm not complete yet. I'm like, because I shouldn't be able, I shouldn't be able to take breaks. I should just keep on going, not without stopping. So then I started to move a lot of parts around again. 
And then the kingdom of darkness, uh, now in the spirit, uh, they came and they started to strip me off my parts, all of them, all of them, one by one, one by one, one by one. And they left me with nothing, but they never could take the core, the source of the energy. So I go back home and I went for a full week, Dan, straight of visions from God. Vision after vision after vision after vision. Promises, promises. I remember just now when I became a Christian, I read the Bible and I remember like all of these promises that, I, that he was giving me, they are actually in the word of God. So I'm going through a hardcore week of receiving visions and callings and, and promises from God. I go out of my room and I tell my mom and I tell people, hey, I heard from God. He loves me, this and that. They all thought that I was hallucinating because of the drugs. Nobody paid attention to me. I didn't know how to repent. I don't know how to find Jesus. I didn't know nothing. So what I did is I went back to the drugs and forgot about all, all the visions and everything. No. I, yeah. no. <laughs> yes. no. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So guess where was the first person that I went and visited after nobody believed me what I just heard from God? my friend the witch so i go over there and i started to get high again and uh she really was at this point she was very mad at me and um she was mocking me her son was mocking me um they come with constant names um uh, i took it uh, i didn't i didn't know where to go at this point I was like, I want that guy that I just heard from him, and, and, and I want the guy that came from me. So I was not fitting in the kingdom of darkness anymore. And, and I didn't know who that other guy was. So I didn't know where to go because I just talked to the Christians, and they didn't tell me. They didn't believe what I was saying, what I was doing. I finally came open to my dad, and I told him, hey, dad, look, I'm going through this. I got myself involved with this. Mom, da 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 No, that's not truth. It's not real you're out of it, you're crazy, this and that. I didn't know what to do at this point. So I still had communication with them through technology though. And they had communication with me through technology. So I decided to stay at my mom's house in my room or the room where I was staying at. And I would just communicate with them through my television. And uh, that's when I started to really, 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 rebel against them they wanted to kill me and i wanted to harm them as well so i had all this power on my in my hands and i just started sending it to them then i was i noticed that i was well i found out that i was able to manipulate the stukion and 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 and, and the elements of, of of the of the earth and 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 all of that so i started to call on rain i started to call on thunder i started to call on all these things and put in these massive energy together and it started sending them to them and just attacks after attack after attack they were very upset i remember this particular time they all gathered together and they were i was looking at them in my tv and they were looking at me and then they were all together right there and this guy which i'm not gonna say his name he's pretty famous really really famous he was like and we need to take america back we are not going to land because they call me fast and furious because I was fast because of the drugs 
speed and because I was very furious. So he was like, we need to take Fast and Furious out. He's not going to, we're going to do what we did to, they said, um, what's his name? This guy that was actually in Fast and Furious. I have well, this, he, 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 I don't remember his name. He said, we're going to do what we did to this guy right here. And uh, so I was like, okay, really? That's what you want to do? So here you go. And I started to going at it again and again and again. Finally, some people, one of my, my, my family comes from El Paso, Texas. They come for me. One of my uncles lives in New Mexico, comes with them. He's a Christian guy. And he has a, some weed with him. And um, he takes me to the backyard and he's like, Alex, those drugs don't do him anymore. They're harming you. They're, do, they're casting a spells on you and they're making you feel a certain way. You don't do that anymore. And he gives me some weed. And he said, now, Alex, take this right now. So I took a hit and then he said, Alex, I need to reveal something to you. And I said, what's that? He said, the name of Yeshua. And I was like, okay. He said, now say with me, in the name of Yeshua, I rebuke, rebuke you, get away from me. And I repeated what he said. As soon as I said that, I started throwing up. And a lot of witchcraft just, I felt like getting more free, like free. And then I saw all of these demons around me just started just running away. And then my uncle was laughing. And he said, ha ha, Alex, did you see those? Did you see those? Man, they're powerless with this name. They're powerless. Then I learned something, that there was a name that it was very powerful. Then I go back to bed. They take me to Texas. And I'm going to go kind of fast from here because now it's, uh, it's not very long from here. They take me to Texas. Now my cousin, it was involved with them. And I did not know that. So I go to Texas and he said, don't do meth, do cocaine. So I was doing an eight ball a day, a lot of cocaine because I, I, just, I just needed the drug. And uh, I, I went and look from meth again. And then I go back to the house, he noticed. And then one time he gave me a lot of cocaine and uh, some, uh, I mean, a lot for average people. And then um, I go to the room and I am laying on my bed and then I am, I can see all these people coming at me again, or all these entities. And then I just said, hey, please help me. And this entity comes out of me with wings, very buff. And he does this. When he does this, this wind just starting to flow all through the city. My cousin was aware of this because he was watching me in the spirit so he walks in the room and he says alex calm down calm down the spirit comes back inside of me as far as i can remember yeah and then uh he said come with me so he takes me outside he calls this guy this guy brings what it looks like meth combined with cocaine he said take a hit of this i take a hit and then he said just calm down relax don't do that again okay and i said okay so I didn't do it again. I was not getting mad anymore. So they were doing all these things. I pick up the meth again for the last time before my conversion. And he finds out and he was very disappointed, disappointed about me. So 
he's I'm I'm on the couch and there's my cousin and he's like, What are we gonna do about this? And I said, I wanna go to rehab. Okay. So he starts calling rehabs. There's no rehabs. Everything is closed. Nobody wanted me. Nobody wanted to do nothing with me. I was done. But he was still trying to help me however he could. He, maybe he didn't know how, but he was still trying to. And uh, this place, Dan, answered the phone call. And he was, it's called a rescue home. Very small, but it was a Christian place. And it was called, the, it was from a church. And it was, the church is called Grace Christian Center. And um, that night, warfare went against me. And all the power and people and witches and warlocks from all around the world were trying to destroy me. And some of them were trying to help me. But the most beautiful of it all is that Jesus and his angels were already fighting for me and preparing the way where I needed to be and where I needed to go where I was going to meet him. So this little place, a hole in the wall, wants me. And I go there that same night. And the guy that he was there is very active in the spirit. So he sees everything that is at work around me. My cousin is like, please take care of this guy. He's very important. Get him well. He's going to do big things. And I'm like, and, and then he said, okay, we will, we will. And then he leaves me there. The guy asked me, do you have drugs? I said, yes, I do. I take my wallet out and I gave them to him. He flushed them down the toilet. He said, you have three days of, of grace. You can be on your bed, just taking out the drugs and, and, and just relax. I mean, you're going to go through a hard time right now because all the drugs in your system, but you need a detox. So you're going to have to be there for three days. Okay. He didn't know what I was really happening with me. I go to the bed. It was hard. Astral projection, demons, fallen angels, everything around me. And I could feel them touching my soul and my spirit and everything. And I was just screaming nonstop. I felt getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, getting dry and dry and dry. And then he comes in and he said, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. He said, Alex. Listen to me. Quit screaming. Listen to me. He said, you need to repent. And I said, repent? He said, yes. You need to repent of your sins. And then after that, tell Jesus to come into your heart. And I told him, I can't believe anymore. My heart is so hard. And then he said, do it. And I said, okay. He said, I'm going to leave. And he left. And as soon as he walked out of the door, I looked up and I could not believe anymore. Like my heart, it was a stone. And then I looked up and I said, Father, I don't think I said Father. I think I said Jesus. I said, Jesus, forgive me all my sins. And then I said, come into my heart. And when I finished that sentence, I felt like somebody hit me in my forehead. Boom! Really hard. And then I felt burning on my forehead, like burning. I was like, I touched it and I was like, what is this? What is it? 
And then I get up and I run to the bathroom. And then I looked at myself in the mirror. I can see in the spirit. And then I see these seal in my forehead, like brand new and burning. And then I scream, because I scream, Edgar! And Edgar, I don't know what he was thinking. He walks in, opens the door, and he said, what's happening? And then I looked at him and I said, what is this? What is this? And then he throws his hands in the air. Praise the Lord. And I said, what? He said, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. He said, the fight is over, Alex. You belong to Christ. And then all I just, my heart just broke. I felt the power of God getting full of the Spirit. He told me, Alex, lay down. You don't have to fight anymore. Quit fighting. Now he's fighting for you. And then I lay down. He left. And I just saw the hand of God reaching inside of me and start pulling chain after chain after chain of spirits, demons, and everything, the filthiness. He didn't do the job completely, though, because that was a walk that I'm still walking. Yeah. And you're part of it. But that was from, from that point forward. My life, it was completely changed. I'm going to stop you right there. The power of Jesus Christ to say Amazing, yeah. That is the climax of the story. But, you know, folks, um, what God has done for Alex, he could do for you. Amen. And um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that he is God, you will be saved. And as a matter of fact, if you need a prayer to help you through that believing process, because just like Alex said, if you would listen to this and you do not know Jesus, you can meet him just the same way Alex did. We also have a prayer on our website brideministriesinternational.com under prayer resources called Salvation Prayer to walk you through the process. And for those of you that you've known Jesus for a long time, you know <laughs> Alex's story really just got a new chapter. Uh, there's a lot more to tell, but not today. <laughs> so, uh, I am going to have Alex back at some point to tell some more of the story but for now Alex I want to say thank you for your bravery because your story is not easy to share there's a lot of things you tell people and you watch their eyes glaze over in confusion and fear and all kinds of other things you've experienced <laughs> and um you know to come on the podcast and to share so very brave move and I respect it and I honor it and um, thank you dad thank you mommy. very proud of you so you know folks that's the podcast for this week until next time God bless and Godspeed
You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, like our video, and share this with friends. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at brideministriesinternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.